This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, let's go ahead and get started. This is another edition of Not Another Church Podcast. We're shifting gears here for the last several weeks. We have been talking through uh, rearing children. We've talked about you know, everything from the infant years all the way up to last week where we talked about uh, that those post-high school years and what naturally follows post-high school is marriage. And so we are now gonna, going to shift gears a little bit and for the next month or so, we're going to be uh, walking through some, some stuff uh, about marriage. Uh, we've asked several couples to join us, and so let's get started by first uh, you guys introducing yourself. So let's start with Hal. Uh, my name is Hal Irwin. I'm a police officer here in Glencoe. I've been doing it for about three years. Um, we would, we're fresh to hopefully be members of this church soon, and I really enjoy this church, really enjoy the pastors, and... I think my wife, Olivia, and I are in agreement as far as this is more than likely going to be the church for us. Well, hey, awesome. So now, and you are? I'm Olivia Irwin. I'm a physical therapist in Rainbow City. And we just moved to Southside, like Hal said, uh, just started going to North Glencoe about six months ago, six, seven months ago. Now, how long have you been married? Three years in December. Almost three three years. years. So n- not a long time. So, not really. So we, we're going to go from both into the spectrum. Ann and I have been married forever. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is Ann. She's been on a couple other podcasts. But Ann, just in case, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Ann. I'm Ann here. <laughs> there you go. I'm Tom's Bam. wife. We've been married 28 years. And, and I will tell everybody, she actually broke a calculator out just before this <laughs> podcast and was like, okay, let's see, sure. we got married in 92, so with Carrie the, so yeah. Um, just to make sure. Yes, you don't want to, you don't want to mess that one up. Uh, yeah, yes, we've been married for a long time. Uh, it, we've been married long enough to where technology and fashion have significantly changed. It's true. <laughs> uh, my kids look at your wedding dress and go... I, that's really pretty, but can I can I modify it if I'm going to use it? Can I get rid of the puffy sleeves? So we have five kids, and y'all have one. One. And he's how old? A year and a half. Year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our oldest is 23, and our youngest is 12. Sorry, am I not talking in the mic? You're not close enough to me. Okay, let's get closer. All right. All right, so... Um, what we're going to do today, opening up about marriage, we're going to talk about... Uh, and. What we're, what we're really doing is Ann and I typically do uh, premarital counseling. It's about 13 weeks. A lot of that is caught up in, in uh, a session that we call expectations. Uh, but we're just going to kind of walk through with different couples over the, from now until probably first of the year and uh, kind of pretend that we're doing the premarital counseling. So our first session is uh, called His Needs, Her Needs. And we look at uh, the biblical story uh, from the the Garden uh, of Eden, and we look at how, in the from the very beginning, we see that m- men uh, have a different set of needs and a different grid, if you will, of the way that they look at life, and women uh, have different set of needs and a different grid that they look at life, and so a lot of times conflict occurs because. Neither party's wrong. They're just looking at things totally different. And I think that in anybody's marriage, we, we know, in fact, the, the kind of the running joke is, is the way you can tell that is, is simply the question, where do you want to eat? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know of any couples that that doesn't open up kind of a, a can of worms. Uh, I know in our marriage, there have been times where I've literally pulled the car over and said, I'm not going anywhere else until <laughs> I get an actual answer. I'm not driving around Edwalk County looking at restaurants. Have you seen the game spinner that some people have made? Yes. Yeah, we need one of those cool. where it's got like all of the restaurants in town and it's got the spinner, you oh, know, still to spin it, whatever it lands on. on. What I like yeah. to do with her is say, guess where I'm thinking. In the first place she says, we're going. There you go. Ah, that works That's out. good. That's a good idea. It never works. Don't no. let him lie to you. Oh, why doesn't it work? Because <laughs> I know his trick by yeah. now. Oh, yeah, I figured it out. Uh, she figured it out. See, I just want veto power. 
Exactly. <laughs> but I veto everything. So. <laughs> well, ours is all ours is always the uh, I don't care. And okay, so let's go to here. And no. Well, if you don't care, <laughs> you don't always really reason. not care. She legitimately, and and Anne has a predilection to veto anything that we've eaten at in the last six months. That's well, not true. We've already eaten there. <laughs> we, we we just ate there last week. Unless it's Mexican, I'll eat Mexican oh, every day of the week. I'm that's... always down for Mexican. <laughs> it's always a safe bet. I was going to say, too, you said that we do premarital counseling, which is true. Um, but I think all this stuff applies to everybody that's married. I oh, mean, absolutely. No matter how long, really. I, I mean, I will say for our, our personal marriage that um, had we known a lot of this information um, when we first got married, our our first five or six years would have been a whole lot better. Yes, true. Uh, so let's first let's start out, and everybody's familiar with the story in the Garden of Eden where uh, Adam and Eve uh, eat the fruit, which was the first argument about a meal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which that was is a big one. That's a big one. So there, we have the fall, and then God curses uh, man and woman because of that. And, and the text that we're dealing with starts out, it says, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. No, nothing we can do about that. I, I just, I'm out on that one. Um, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, you have eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken for your dust, and to dust you shall return. So uh, the interesting thing that pops out at me is God says to men, this is what you're going to do, and to women, he says, this is what you're going to feel. And I know it's stereotypical, but I think that we men and women do have a tendency to look at things differently in that for a lady, a lot of times it's about how they're feeling and what this is going to make them feel. Whereas for a guy, it's all about the A plus B, the, the, what we're doing. Uh, so have you guys experienced that or seen that, 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 that's, that the truth in your lives? All the time. Yep. On a daily basis, just about. Uh, I, I get, have always gotten tickled with the question that women like to ask men is, well, how are you feeling? And we literally don't know how to answer the question. No. Uh, good, I guess. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, that's because we fundamentally don't understand each other. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I mean, I've heard someone say that if women could be inside of a man's head, you know, kind of like what women want, what men want, kind of a, could actually know what we think, the human race would cease to exist in the next Probably. generation. It would drive them crazy. <laughs> They're like, really? That's, yeah. that's what's going through your head? Sure. Um, so uh, the, other, uh, the other thing beyond the men doing and the women feeling that, that we see from that is, uh, and the best way I've heard this described was actually Ann and I went to a uh, really cheesy marriage enrichment conference that we got nothing out of except this one thing. And the guy started out and said, men are, f- are, are spaghetti, men are pizza and women are spaghetti. And I took that as, okay, that's a really cheesy attempt at uh, your, the ability to do something other than men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind yeah, of thing. It's like, it's really the same. Um, and so what he meant by men are spaghetti, uh, women are spaghetti was that everything is all interconnected, mm-hmm. that nothing happens outside of all those connections, whereas men are pizza. We're little segmented slices that don't have to be separated, that don't have to have any connections whatsoever. Uh, if, if I've had a bad day at work, that's going to have zero impact on um, what I'm available for and what's going on in the home life. It, it's just those are different worlds. I, whereas, yeah, boxes, kind of. Some yeah. people think of it as putting things in boxes. Right. Yeah. That's so true. You got it. a work box. Yeah. You got a home box. And if we're not careful for men, that can create hypocrisy because we've all known people who, you know, in church, they're, they're one person and then they're a totally different person when they're at work. 
And that kind of naturally flows out of the fact that men do have little boxes that we that we kind of put things in. And this is my work life. And I don't want my work life to intrude on home. And I don't want home to intrude. You know, those worlds don't need to collide at all. And then I have my church box. And I, and I in fact, the person that described that to us actually said men's favorite boxes is their empty box that we, when we, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that. That was a telling that little. Box. <laughs> we're, we're comfortable in the box. Yes, absolutely. We're, that sitting there, flicking the channels, not watching anything. I wish I could do that. And I know. Just shut everything off. <laughs> As like, everything's I've got down. To do. Yes. <laughs> well, moms have that mommy, 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 mommy yeah, world. It never ends. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. And the dads have the privilege of the really the only question we get asked is where's mom. Yeah, that's true. That is true. She's over there. I'm flicking. (laughs) Now go away. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So you've got you've got that going on, and we see that here, um, and that ultimately leads us to recognize that men and women fundamentally are coming to this relationship um, with different needs to be met, and. I think the the women where where God says here your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you shows that within the marriage a woman's greatest need is intimacy. Now, when men hear uh, intimacy, they're like, "Heck yeah, I can give you some intim- intimacy, baby." <laughs> and I always like to say, intimacy and sex are kind of like the words a warm puppy and a hot dog. They're they're similar, <laughs> but they're totally different. Um, and so intimacy has very little to do with, with physical. Uh, that's part of it. But it's really more about that, that desire for a, a spiritual connection, a, a kind of a mingling of souls sort of a, a thing. And it's, ve- it's very different than w- what a man is looking for when he hears the word intimacy. And so we, we see that the, the woman comes to it with that need in place. And for men, because we don't have that need, it's really hard need for us to meet because we, we aren't looking at life that way. And so, you know, again, we come back to the, so how was your day? Fine. Um, yeah. And that's, that, that can actually be hurtful to, to our spouse. What do you mean? Fine. What, what did you do? Um, and so, Ann, why don't you talk a little bit about how, what that need looks like kind of in your heart and soul and mind? Um, well, on the way that the spaghetti thing with women, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this, Olivia. It's like everything is intertwined. For sure. You know, so if you had a bad day at work and you come home. home yeah, like you're likely to take it out on Hal, for sure. <laughs> and um, Sorry, brother. You know, <laughs> if he makes there. you mad or Tom makes or whatever, Tom makes me mad, that I can't compartmentalize that. You know, it's like women, you know, then they're, you know, stomping around in the kitchen as they're cooking and they're, you know, yelling at the kids even though they didn't do anything. And, you know, so it's all kind of intertwined and men tend to compartmentalize stuff. They had a bad day at work. They come home. Well, this is a different set of circumstances. It's a different box. So I think that's hard because then we don't understand each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely causes some conflict. Yeah. And then I think also women end up uh, taking things out on people that they shouldn't, you know, um, but then we just don't understand each other. But on the, I guess the intimacy, um, I guess the, the the struggle with that is that for a woman to feel close to her husband, you know, it has to do with so many other things. And for a guy, evidently, it doesn't. Right. And so you have to learn each other and learn how that all plays out, I guess. And, and I think... For men, since we fundamentally don't understand that and we we aren't looking at life that way at all, really the only thing I have to go from is what I've been told by other women having never been a woman. And I, I remember in one of our marriage counseling sessions, not premarital, but marriage counseling, the wife was talking about we never we never we never do anything together. We're always doing something with the kids or we're always it always has a we just don't date. And the husband said Something along the lines of, why would I ask you on a date? I already got you. 
I've, I've, we're already married. And the look on that wife's face was borderline between murder and... <laughs> and, and so I think that's kind of, sh- that, that's a good picture of where that is, where Anne is craving me to still woo her and to cherish her and to show her that I love her. And in my mind, we're, we're past that. Yeah. I mean... I've already got you. I've already got you. So let's, let's move, move on to the next phase. Yeah. And so uh, it's just, we need to put that in our head that that need is there. And for men, uh, I think that it, it's interesting as God lays out his vocation, I have never in my life in American culture, in Middle East, uh, Central Asian culture, in uh, Far Eastern Asian culture, in South American culture, I've never seen two men meet each other that within two or three minutes of them meeting, one of them asked the other one, so what do you do? Why, why do you think that is? Beats me. I mean, would you agree that that's always what we do? We always say, yeah, here, so in, here in American culture, that's a go-to conversation starter. It's all over the world. That's what men do. Yeah. That's the first question they ask. What do you do? And and that's I can say as a, as a pastor, um, if you really want to shut down a dinner party, if, <laughs> when somebody says, so what do you do? You go, oh, I'm, I'm the pastor at North Glencoe Baptist Church. People have a tendency to kind of go, Oh, uh, <laughs> what have I said? What have I done? <laughs> and I've joked with the church before that men typically either cuss less or more based on that. Um, and, and so, and we've literally been at parties before where all the guys are like hiding in a back room, drinking beer. And I tell Dan, it's like, we need to go because we're, we are seriously dampening this party. Um, so, so. I think the reason why guys do that, if we're just totally honest, is we want to know where to place people in the hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, so so I'm, if somebody were to respond, well, I'm sure as a, a, a cop that you get that same thing, that people are like, oh, so tell me a story, you know, or something along oh, those lines. Every time. And, I mean, that's the first thing they want to know is what's the most interesting thing you've done? Did you so, shoot anybody exactly. today? <laughs> so, that's it. Um, so we, men are craving and their need is respect. And that's why that vocation put falls into such a tight alignment is we need to know where I fall and where they fall kind of on the, oh, well, he's the president of this company. He's, I, 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 he's earned this level of respect or, yeah. I mean, that's the reason why in the military we wore who we were on our own little, little. Yeah. ticks and, and, and crossed rifles and the like on, on our collars it's so that you could walk into a room and go, okay, he's a major, so he's a captain. He's a butter bar, so he's stupid. That, that guy's a lance corporal, which means hide everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we all, we all kind of know from, from that hierarchy. And so I guess if we could say women's greatest need is, is intimacy and that, that, uh, that cherishing, then men's greatest need would be respect and that feeling of um, my wife recognizes that the work that I do is important and that who I am is benefiting this family. And I mean, I, I've literally known men who were presidents of companies who didn't have that and were miserable and they didn't know why they were miserable, but they were they were miserable. Yeah. And I've known people who dug ditches for a living, and they did have that from their wife and their family, and their family respected them because they were providing for their family, and they were thriving. And so it has very little to do with how much cash we have in the bank as much as it does, do, have I earned, do I have the respect of the, the person who I care about their respect the most? And so fundamentally, if what I need is one thing and what she needs is another, and we're going through life with the, the woman, everything all interconnected in us, we've got a problem. I mean, if we just look at his needs and her needs, this is going to be uh, rife with, um, with conflict and with misunderstandings where one person is here and the other person is here and we just don't understand what's yeah. coming from. Which, which is a good bridge point for me to say, tell us how you guys met. You want to go? Sure. Um, I was working as a physical therapy technician in Gadsden 
and I was approached by one of my coworkers and said, hey, you got to go look at this guy. <laughs> and I did. And yeah. fell I looked at him. I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, that was a few years ago. <laughs> he had just gotten out of the Marines, so uh, he's a little more slim than he is now. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so we clearly need to go back to the respect. <laughs> I blame it on the injury. <laughs> ah, there we go. Yeah. So he, he had to have foot surgery and ended up in my care in physical therapy therapy and uh now did you did you shuffle the files to make sure that he got into your care of course (laughs) of course it was playing the cards and uh flirting my butt off and he didn't read a single signal asked him if his girlfriend rubbed his foot because he hurt his foot and he's like i don't have a girlfriend and i'm like oh yes and uh never picked up on that i had to how are you just stupid (laughs) <laughs> I just feel like that's a male thing, honestly. Ah, that you just miss the signals? Yeah. I know other guys that miss the signals. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say any name, but William Harrison. Okay. <laughs> you were supposed to say that. Our son is very much miss the signals well, kind of guy. She's going to eventually slip her phone number on a sticky note to him and they'll get married because that's what happened to us. Yeah. So That's what you did? You slipped your yeah. number on a sticky I was about to leave for vacation and I wasn't going to be there when he left. So I was like, well, here's my time. So my wow, that's bold. I know. She my coworkers convinced me. Because otherwise, I mean, I wasn't obviously. So you didn't have any idea sentence. that she, she was she, no clue. not a clue. Until she gave me that note with her number on it, I had no idea. He did she, did she have little hearts the on the notes? or He didn't even open the sticky note. Yeah. Like it was just I my just name and my phone number. He didn't even open it until he got walked home. out. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so how many times had you gone to physical therapy with her? Oh, oh, was over months. <laughs> months? Yes. And this whole wow. time you weren't catching anything she was laying <laughs> out Not there. a thing. I even told him I had just gotten into physical therapy school and I was about to move to Montgomery. I was like, oh, you know, I'm nervous about moving to Montgomery. I need a big, strong guy there, you know. Like, you want to come be my guard dog in Montgomery? And he still... Wow. <laughs> I was laying it on thick. So. Well, it's it's a good thing you went after him. I know. <laughs> Got him, reeled him in. I feel like it worked out. So. <laughs> yeah, hey, just hanging back and let let. See, we were the opposite. We we uh, we met on a plane, um, and so I was the pursuer in, entirely. <laughs> uh, she, it, it was a it was totally a god thing because I was on a plane I wasn't supposed to be on, sitting in a seat I wasn't supposed to be in, and I was. In the middle seat, the the uh, airline had asked me to move because there was a child that was flying unaccompanied, and so he had the aisle seat, and uh, I yeah, was and in the middle were, seat. Yeah, and you were you were in uniform, so they thought you were responsible. Yes. but little, little did, did they, they know, know right? Yes. Yes. And I, I was I was a lance corporal at the time. They really should have known. <laughs> they didn't know that. They did not know. So I, the this poor kid who totally was ignored on this flight uh, sat on the aisle. I had the middle seat, and then Ann had the window seat. And so I had seen her, I'd seen her in the airport. We had passed, you know, when you're, you're getting your, your pretzels and everything before you get on the plane. And I was with an, another Marine that was flying somewhere else. And we were walking down out and I saw her walking past me. And I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure I made some kind of rude, lewd comment. <laughs> um, I didn't hear it. No, no. It's uh, <laughs> a good thing. Good thing. I, <laughs> I, I saw her and thought, man, that woman's hot. And then, um, when I saw that she was in the boarding area getting on the same flight that I was getting on, I'm like, oh, hey, things looking up. And then when she came in and, uh, you know, how tight you're on a plane, had to essentially crawl over me to get to her seat. I'm like, well, God has smiled it's on my Literally in your lap. Literally. I don't know. You were pretty charming because I thought that was really rude. Like, I remember going, oh, my gosh, he didn't even stand up so I could get in the seat. You know what I mean? And um, I sat down. I was like 18. I didn't know any better. I know. So As long as he knows better now, that's all that matters. That's right. Well, he, he charmed the socks off of me, made all the jokes, was, you know, he had the whole plane laughing and carrying on and. It was it was a fun time. So we were getting <laughs> off the plane, and I'm like thinking, if I do, if I don't try now, uh, I'll never see this. And she- interestingly enough, I pulled to hell because totally over my head. <laughs> like I'm just didn't even occur to me that he was interested in nothing. Can you we know? please make sure that that <laughs> enters the vocabulary? I pulled to hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I was the whole time I was in therapy with her. Is 
I just thought she was being nice. I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't think she was not. into me. So, so um, I gave her my address. I actually had a bill or something in my my uh, orders bag. Remember the, this the vinyl orders internet. bag that we right. used to have to carry. <laughs> So I tore the, the address off and gave it to her and made some cheesy line that I had rehearsed from the time that we were landing, like, hey, if you ever want to ride a lonely Marine, here's my address. I don't remember what you said, but. So she folded the address up, promptly forgot it. Uh, this was June 22nd. I got a letter from her the 1st of October. So it had taken that long. You sent one? Well, I actually sent it not too long after that, um, and it got lost because it went from all his duty stations all around. And some I had never been to. It, it went to Okinawa. It went wow. all over the place, it and looked then he like, got it knocked Remember over. the Bugs Bunny cartoons where he throws the baseball, and then he turns around and catches it where it's going all the way around the world, and it's got stamps all over right. it? That's what the letter looked like because <laughs> it had all these the envelope, right? I, we do still have it. It's we in do. the barn. Yeah. But uh, anyway. So we... That was October, it, just before Halloween. Uh, we were talking on the phone at this point. After she called me, I called and got information. Um, I, I completely lied and said, hey, I'm going to be in College Station. you mind if I crash on your couch? And uh, she's like, sure, yeah, that'll be awesome. And didn't until like years later go, nobody comes to College Station. What are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> so... Um, when you meet all of those, there's all those butterflies, there's the fireworks, there's the you sitting around thinking he how so hot, and then and then reality hits that first year of marriage. Um, you know, everybody talks about the honeymoon years, um, but for us, it, it was rough because um, I found out that Ann doesn't like it if I use her toothbrush. <laughs> Don't like that. She, she still doesn't like it. Should it should be pretty obvious, Tom. I, I still, I don't, I don't see, I, I, don't, I don't, I mean, we smooch. I mean. Anyway. So. Um, <laughs> conversation for another time. That's right. <laughs> when we started this, she said, don't forget that your grandchildren might watch this video. So be careful what you say. Uh, so um, in all of that conflict, how long for you guys did it take from, from I do and the butterflies and the rotting, you know, the Mizriz Hal Irwin in a notebook and, <laughs> and the little hearts and balloons to I'm going to kill this guy. How long did it take for you guys? I don't know. How so passive? Like, that's that's a hard question to answer that he just kind of lets lets everything slide. And I think that finally got to me probably. Oh, gosh, I don't even know. I have no idea. I mean, that's a pretty extreme. I've, Love you, lovey dovey, to I want to kill you. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't have to say, <laughs> we've all had that experience yeah. where I'm sure Ann has w woke up in the morning, looked over at me, smelling my morning breath, and gone, I'm going to. Put a yeah. fork in this yeah. I think forehead. what he's trying to say is you have that honeymoon period sure. usually and where everything is wonderful and you can't get enough of each other. And eventually you it kind of wears off a little bit yeah. and you get to know each other. And then there's the mundane day to day. You're going to work. You're you're well, I don't know if she remembers this, but we actually had an argument on our honeymoon. Really? Yes. Oh, I <laughs> I remember it because, I mean, it upset me, but I just didn't bring it up because it was our honeymoon. Right. So I wanted everything to be perfect. So, so and I got to know, is, is it, can we I talk no about idea. it? I have no idea what it was about. Honestly, I can't remember the subject of the argument, <laughs> but I just know that there was a few hour period that we were not that great. <laughs> I don't remember it, so it doesn't matter. No, I mean, to answer your question, I guess, so our first year of marriage was a little different than most because I was still in PT school. Mm -hmm. So we weren't seeing each other. Like I would have to go to school, um, what was it, like a couple days a week, two to three days yeah. a week, depending on like my schedule. So mm -hmm. I was part-time living in Montgomery, part-time we were living together. So I feel like that first year didn't really count because mm -hmm. we still had the anxious to see you, I miss you, right. you know. And then my second year when I we... When I was done with PT school, um, we had a rough time just because I was struggling to pass my exams. We got pregnant pretty quickly um, after, you know, I got out of school. Or it was right before I got out of school that yeah. we got pregnant. And um, I was struggling to pass my national board exam. And he was financially, 
you know, the only one that was financially paying for And everybody knows cops are just rolling in it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I think probably that second year is kind of where things started to, it's kind of like, huh, this is. Honestly, yeah, like she said, when we started spending more time with each other, is I would say is about the time we started having more and more arguments. And that's that's normal because, I mean, if you'd put two humans together for an extended period of time, they're going to get on each other's nerves. For sure. So for how about you? How long did it take? I mean, I know there's been 28 years ago. I don't remember. It's pretty quick. I don't remember. I just remember our first couple of years were hard because we actually dated long distance for a year and a half. So we didn't live in the same town. Well, the six months before we got married, we lived in the same town. And you don't really know somebody until you meet their friends and you're around their family and you see what they're doing and how they're, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so there was a lot of stuff for us that was new. And um, so we really were just getting to know each other, even though we'd known each other for a couple of years, it was different. It's a lot different when you live with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part uh, Part of the long distance relationship was good because that kind of accelerates getting to know the core of the person, but you completely miss the, well, she leaves her socks laying in the floor, he throws towels in the bathroom floor side of it, that, that practical day to day. And you're, when you are around each other, you're, you're you you want to impress them. And so I remember you um, completely lied to me because you said, uh, or you said, what, what is it you want to eat? And I, being an Alabama boy, said, how well, what do you think? Do you like fried bologna? And you're like, oh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> and had to get off the phone and go, what's a bologna and how do you fry I never it? had fried bologna. There's a whole long list of foods that I'd never had because I didn't live in the South. So I, I hadn't had sweet tea. I hadn't had banana pudding. I hadn't had uh, fried bologna. I mean, uh, almost everything that everyone around here eats, never had it. You like it better down here, though, right? Yeah, I do, <laughs> but I don't eat fried bologna. Um, uh, yeah. I, don't <laughs> I don't like it. Oh, there's some uh, fried bologna and tomatoes. It Ugh. doesn't get much better than that. Fried, but no, thank get you. you a fried bologna. I think you have to grow up eating potatoes. It. Yeah. I've definitely had it a bunch, but I'm not a fan now. Yeah, yeah, I, it's kind of a. I think of that as it's a, a comfort food. food. It's a comfort yeah. food. Oh, I would eat it if he would let us have it in the house, but. <laughs> so, so pretty quickly we see that there's conflict. And there's there's getting to know you mm-hmm. stuff, and I, I think that part of the what ends up happening oftentimes in a marriage is is you'll have an argument about something that isn't that big a deal, and one of two things happens: either if you're you're aggressive personalities, what happens is is the argument stacks on top of each other to a point, and this happened with us. Um, Anne is a very very strong personality. She's clearly a redhead. I'm a very strong personality. And so we would argue till it, we were arguing about the argument. And both of us wanted to win the argument. It didn't really matter that what we were arguing about ultimately didn't matter. We were just arguing to argue. The opposite end of that spectrum is couples that will have thousands of little wounds about little things oh, well, I asked you to get this kind of toothpaste and you got this other kind, so clearly you don't care about me. Or I asked you to do this and, and you just ignored it or blah, 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 and blah. And some people hold it in. And they hold You're it in. You're probably one of those people that hold uh, stuff in. 100%. Very and that, so. can, that can be hard as well. I mean, there's different ways of doing things. Um, But, you know, what you're talking about with the the different ways that men and women just generally are, um, you know, it doesn't always have to do with an argument. It's just, I think, beneficial to understand each other in the good and the bad, because then you can strive to meet that other person's needs, to um, say things, do things that is going to enrich your relationship rather than tear it down um, and you can see the other person's side and it's not such a mystery as to why they're doing things right you know because I mean have you ever felt like that you know like well, I have no idea why he or she just did you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> they All just the did time. that oh, yeah. like All what was time. that about you know well and, and you're right it doesn't have to just be about arguments I think disagreements is usually where this is put in the, the it sharpest comes out juxtaposition. sometimes. But I think that after you've been married for a long time, you get to know each other 
so well. And hopefully you learn some of this kind of stuff to where, I mean, for us, a lot of it, we learned by trial and error, but gosh, I wish someone had told us it would have been a lot easier, right? you know? Um, and you, it's helpful because you can, um, you know, you can see their point of view and you can think through things and you cannot take everything um, wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, for us, we can recognize that for the men, we can recognize that this may not be about me. I mean, I, and there's always a sigh of relief when you realize that when, when Anne's in a bad mood or dealing with something, and I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, your child is, there's instantly in me a sigh of relief. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not the one in trouble. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me this time. Yes. Um, what do you need me to do? I'll, I'll kill him. I'll, I'll take him out. Whatever. Um, so, but you're absolutely right. In fact, I'll go ahead and lay the cards on the table for that. What we're going to talk about for the next month is driving toward the way to be happy in marriage is that I do everything in my power to not make myself happy, but to make Anne happy. And I consciously think, okay, what can I do today that's going to help her? If she's sick, then I'll, I'll get her some medicine and I'll give her some clean air. I'm go- going to make her happy. But it's and, not just about happiness. I think it's about or meeting helping your needs. to f- yeah, fulfill whatever the other person's needs are beyond just, oh, I need some medicine or whatever, emotional needs, um, relationship need, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then she does everything in her power to make me happy. And then what ends up happening is, is you kind of accident on your own happiness. Jesus talked a lot about, uh, if you want your life, lose it. If, if, if you give it away. And I think what Jesus was driving at is that if we're focused on ourselves, generally speaking, that makes us miserable as human beings. Mm-hmm. I agree. If we're, if we're just thinking about what I want, that YOLO, I deserve, that kind of an attitude, that staring at our belly button kind of thing has a tendency to make us miserable. Whereas if I'm focused on making the people around me uh, you're right. Happy is not a good way to fulfilling their needs. And then there are people who love me in my life who are doing that for me. Then life can really be fun and filled with joy. And so just laying the cards out on the table, that's what we're shooting for. I think that in arguments, you can see, I guess, where that breaks down the best. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think, you know, as with anything, knowledge is power. So the more you oh, under- I really want to see the star. <laughs> knowledge is power. But it is. I it, mean, it really is. You're I right. mean, if you understand how the person that you're married to specifically operates, then because you operate different than Tom does and you're both yeah. men. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's some general things that are true, but um, but not everything. Right. And, yeah, I mean, I always say that that most marriage books are really bad because that author has figured out how to work with his spouse. And so he's written that down and that may not work with my spouse. And so if I'm trying to force her into the box created by this writer, I'm not saying that all marriage books are bad. Some, some are actually pretty good. The one that we're using for the, the small group, I really like that idea of mingling of souls from song of Solomon, but a lot, a lot of marriage books, that author's figured out how to make his marriage work and he's happy. And so he's trying to apply that. And so if Anne were to, to, to treat me the way that Olivia, you treat Hal, then that, that would be, well, but that worked for me. Why would that work for everybody? It'd be ineffective and it would be, it would actually be infuriating. Um, and vice versa. I mean, that's just the way it is, but getting back to, you know, with the argument stuff, let, let me give, the example that I always always give is we and because this legitimately happened we it was a Thanksgiving. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a Thanksgiving, and um, this was one of our our big uh, you know red letter arguments. Um, Anne had just given birth to Molly. I don't know what argument so, you're talking so, about, so I don't know. So we had we had two kids. One had been born. Molly's birthday is October eighth. Molly, I love you, baby. Um, <laughs> with five kids, I can't remember their birthday. He can't. He Bless can't remember heart. anybody's. Birthday. When I go through the pharmacy, I, they'll say, "What's what's the birth date?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I got five kids. I have <laughs> no idea." I'll take a guess. Hal's only uh, got one kid, and he doesn't remember uh, birthdays. So. Uh, <laughs> 
So, um, so we have one child that's a newborn, another child that's like two years old on her leg. Thanksgiving, uh, we had decided, and I say we because you were part of the decision that my family was going to come to our house for Thanksgiving. And so bad decision, bad decision. Yes. <laughs> and so she's in the kitchen. This was before actually as a result of this, we now have a holiday tradition where I handle the bird and the ham. She handles the fixings. Um, so but at that time, we didn't do that. So she's trying to, to cook a bur- uh, a turkey, cook a ham, cook dressing, both the southern style dressing and then the stuffing style dressing so she's got two dressings we got going. texas dressing that we have to eat and so wow. the, there's all <laughs> of this cooking going on and she the uh, she got emily on her hip she's got a baby in, in a pumpkin seat in the floor of the kitchen so i'm uh in the living room watching the dallas cowboys play the um Nice. The, uh, <laughs> I see an argument here. You see what's going to happen. <laughs> Two teams that I don't care at all about. That's I, it. Makes it even better. Yes. And so she's in the kitchen increasingly getting angry. And what's going through her inner monologue is this. Um, he knows that these kids are in here. He knows that we've got to eat and I have to prepare this food. He knows... His family is coming over. Yeah. (laughs) Not my family. His family. His family is coming over here (laughs) and he's sitting his fat can in there looking at this football game. And so that's what's going on in her head. And so minute by minute, she's getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Justifiably so, because I was stupid. What's going through my mind at this time is... And the Dallas Cowboys defense stinks. <laughs> I'm not even the empty box. in. I'm, no, I'm not quite in the empty box. I'm in, I'm back in high school, back when I played little ball. Um, <laughs> that box is out. So you know, I'm 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 thinking through what the what the coaches should be thinking. Not not I'm not even I'm not even in this world. I'm watching watching football, and so. This continues, and, and and I'm completely stupid. I'm not catching the pans being slammed around. I'm not catching the and, and so ultimately, obviously, this explodes. And and we've shared this story several times. And I we had a couple who I shared this story with. The wife said he did the exact same thing, and it was about washing the dishes. He knew the dishes had to be washed. Blah blah blah. And as they're talking, she said. I told, I, we said, you have to tell him. We don't know. Yeah, what? so the moral of the story is actually I'm the bad guy because <laughs> you didn't um, tell him. Because I didn't say anything. Like, I'm sitting here going, he should realize mm-hmm. that I got all this stuff going on and I just had a baby a month ago and I've got all, you know, all these kids are crying and all the stuff is happening. And like, duh, this is a no-brainer. But since I didn't communicate that, then really it's on it really was on me yeah. and part of it's on him because duh man yeah. duh <laughs> like you know well i will take i will take 89% of it in ownership because I, I was stupid. I was a bad husband. But communication's important. But communication important because if she at any point had walked to the door and said, Hey big and I need some help, <laughs> I would gladly have gotten up and helped her. As we were recounting this story to another couple she with the dishes, she said, I want him to want to wash the dishes. That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Unrealistic. It, it's, not, it's not an issue of love. <laughs> it's not an issue of, of care or concern. It's just an issue of we're stupid. It really is. And we but, don't want to do... We don't want to want to do free labor. No. That's so. true. I don't know why we feel that way because I don't want to do the dishes. No. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why we expect them to want to do the dishes either. But but I, if we if we go back to where we started, where the the woman's need is is intimacy, what she really wants is me to care enough about her that I pay attention to what her needs are. And what I should be doing as a spouse is going, here's her needs, and I want to meet them. That's really hard to do. It's it, it, unrealistic. I'm just saying straight up, as, as a man to other men, we're, we're never going to get there. Just no. ask. It's never going to happen. And so, <laughs> ladies, I'm telling you, just open your mouth and say, hey, honey, I'd really appreciate it if you'd wash the dishes because I've got these other 5,000 things to do. Yeah. I, communication's big and it's really really hard and it lasts forever like you know we've been married how many years 28 years we still have problems with that yeah. there's yeah. still times when I'm I don't say what I should or he doesn't say what he sh- 
he should. And we're just missing each other. Like we're, it's just a misunderstanding and we're all mad about nothing. You know what I mean? That that's an ongoing thing. I think communication's hard. Oh, it definitely is. And I mean, we've gotten a lot better at it over the years, but um, obviously we still drop the ball on simple things like stupid. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, just things like doing the dishes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So. But there's some women out there that we've met that are like standing by the fact that, by golly, I want him to be able to read my mind. And I'm just saying, Never gonna happen. give it up. It's not worth it. Yeah. Just say it. Just say, this is what I want from you. This is what I need you to do. This is what I want you to think, say, take me to this restaurant, whatever, because guys are clueless we we really are obviously (laughs) we really are i've had several women in marriage counseling say something along the lines of uh men you know that want their wives to dress certain ways because it's sexy and attractive and the most attractive thing i could see my husband in is washing the dishes or vacuuming for me when I haven't asked. He just goes, you know what? That the floor Most cl- men don't know that, though. Clearly, the floor needs vacuuming, and she's been busy doing this. I'm going to take care of it. That man will pay off dividends. I'm telling you, <laughs> pay attention and think. But we're never going to get there. We're never, ever going to get there. And so we've, I think we've, we've set the foundation that really coming into the relationship, we have to recognize in the beginning that her needs are totally different than your, your needs, men, and vice versa, that we're looking at life through a different grid. As, as we, and the story that we just recounted about the Thanksgiving thing, every man who hears that thinks, all right, so I need to I, I need to help with the kitchen. And again, the point is not the dishes or the kitchen. The point is she wants us to care enough yeah. that we pay attention. Or just ask. I mean, I think it's like you want to feel like he cares about you. And so he's going to show that by not knowing all the answers, but just asking what the answer, what, right. just saying, hey, we're having these people over today. Uh, you got a lot going on here. What can I do? Um, And see, for men, they hear that story, and it's all about there was a task to do. We should do it. It's all about having a to-do list and being able to mark stuff off the to-do list because we look at things totally different. Yeah. Like I have a friend who has little kids, and we kind of have this running joke about how we hate it when our husband, and he knows this, and our kids aren't little anymore, but we both hate it when our husbands say, well, do you want to, you know, you want to go out with your girlfriends? I'll babysit. And we're like, babysit? These are your children. Yeah. You know, it's like you're not babysitting. It's your job in the first I place. I mean, really. <laughs> and, and it's kind of along those lines. It's like, it's how you're looking at it. Don't, looking, don't look at it as like you're doing me a favor because it's right. really my yeah. job. You need to look at it like That's these are our children too. that we made and that we are taking care of them together. Yeah. And... And you may need a little time with your friends or to yourself. And sometimes, you know, dad does too. And that's cool. You yeah. know what I mean? We're there for each other. We're in this together. We're not, you know, one person is, you know, doing doing the other one a favor. Right. Yeah. Hal's gotten a lot better since we've been doing small group, uh, talking about communication and, you know, how important it is for us that, and I don't even know that he's even noticed that he's doing it, but instead of, he would used to come home from work and would stay in his police clothes or take his police clothes off and just kind of hang around and wait till me, wait till I finish dinner or fix what needs to be done or take care of the kid, whatever, all at the same time. And he's gotten better about, you know, coming in, changing clothes. What do you need? What can I do for you? Look at you. I know, right? I'm on top of it. There so, you go. And I mean, that means the world just him wanting wanting to help <laughs> and even if i've got everything under control you know it's still like he wants to wants to help it's not necessarily i want to help i mean i'm just got off work i want i want to go sit on the couch and watch so tv I. and <laughs> i know be fed just dinner. Got work too. Exactly. yeah exactly <laughs> but it's more of along the lines of i know she needs help and i'm there for her yes yeah so i think one of the greatest lies that and our culture, we tell ourselves is that marriage is 50-50. Yeah. And it's that, that implies that 
She has a set of jobs that she has. I have a set of jobs. Well, I've got all my jobs checked off. It, right. Marriage really has to be 100 100 yeah. that we're both right. giving it all all the time because there are times when I can't get to all my jobs and she can step in and do them just fine. Yeah. And there's times when she can't get to all her checklist and I can step in and do them. Um, but I think the attitude of we're in this together and it's not like, you know, you've got to make life happen. You know, you yes. have to eat, you have to grocery shop, you have to pay the bills, you have to do those things. Yeah. And so that y'all are in this together, we're in this together, we have to raise these children, and it's not Get them like, out of my it's house. just my job <laughs> to do that part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of, uh, we're in this together, team kind of thing. It makes a big difference. It does. Oh, yeah. When we were, um, when Tucker first got here, the first few days of his life, I didn't change a single diaper. Not because, I mean, obviously that's not a desirable job, but how f he had the desire and the need to help. And, you know, obviously with a newborn baby, it's hard for a dad to help. Yeah, there's not a whole lot we can do. Right? Not much. But that was the one thing that he could do. So he literally changed every diaper for Tucker's first probably two yeah. weeks of his and life. And he probably well, realized that those first two weeks, you were exhausted oh, yeah. physically. Exactly. You know, and and when I would get up with him in the middle of the night, how would get up? Even though he couldn't do anything, he would still sit up. Sometimes he'd fall asleep, but <laughs> a lot of the times he would stay awake. And that meant, you know, just being on guard in case yeah. there was something that I could do. Were you I, clear in the I, rooms? I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was just, I was there. So yeah, use that's me cool. if you can. That's awesome. So that's there good. you go. That's, that's, so... I think to sum up the, this section, we're, we're looking at the fact that we both look at life, the, the male and the female, totally differently, and that our goal, our objective is to meet each other's needs as we, we go through things, and that we're a team. We're, we're in this together. That, that mm -hmm. we, it's us against the world. We're the team. And we Try to understand the other person's perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's totally different than yours. It's true. All right. Well, guys, that, that buttons up uh, session one. Uh, we'll be coming in next week, and we're talking about expectations. And so I look forward to uh, seeing you all again. And um, that was uh, not another church podcast, Marriage One. So go serve your king. This has been Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening, and go serve your king.